Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. We're going to be singing a special, and then he is going to be our speaker here this morning. We appreciate it very much. And uh, so, how many have had a little bit of a challenge waking up this morning? Did you sit yesterday after dinner and you, you the thought came, is tomorrow Sunday? <laughs> anyway, we're glad you're here, okay? And uh, we're going to... We're going to give the Lord, we want to give the Lord what He is deserving of, all right? We want to give Him our very best. We want to worship Him with everything that's within us. And we want to give Him our utmost attention when the Word of the Lord comes forth here this morning. We want to be a part of it. You are a part of it, but we want to make the most of it. So we're thankful you. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Isn't God good? We serve a great God, and we love being home with our TOP family. Amen. Uh, we tell people this is our home, and so we uh, we kind of have two homes, but you know, one is future in Japan, but this will always be this will always be a home for us. And um, you know, 2020 and 2021 have been very interesting years, and I don't think any one of us has come out unscathed. All of us have a testimony of what the Lord has done for us. And when we were um, at General Conference this year, they sang a song called Anything is Possible. And it's kind of become an anthem for us because in 2022, I want to remember that I'm still here. That we've made it through these past couple years. That means that the Lord has had his hand upon us. And we are so grateful. And we're so thankful. And so the, the words of this song, I feel they are so powerful. We're going to have them up on the screen. Brother Cliff is going to awesome on the ball. He's going to uh, have those up for us. But I just I um, encourage you to listen to the words, to listen to the words and to sing with us, um, because we just want to talk about how great our God is. There's nothing he cannot do. There's no mountain he cannot move. And so we're just grateful, grateful to be part of his kingdom. stand against your might. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won, we've already won. There is no Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Show me one thing that's too hard. Show me waters he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible is possible and there is a kingdom that's advancing at the speed of light and in his kingdom hallelujah jesus every dead thing is bound 
Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Show me one thing that's too hard. Show me waters he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. All of my fears I will turn into praise. Shake off these bear as I sing out your name. A victory dance I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. All of my fear I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. All of my fear I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in praise. I will crush disappointment. Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Show me one thing that's too hard. Show me waters he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible, is possible. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord together this morning. Hallelujah. Anything is possible for our God. For with our God, nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. Why don't we just stand across this building this morning and worship the Lord together. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, you are so worthy, God. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. God is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. He is so good. You know, the last few years have been pretty difficult, but God is just as good today as he was a couple years ago before all of this started. God is just as powerful. God is still a miracle working God. Hallelujah. There is nothing that can defeat him. There is nothing that can overcome him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I know I just had you stand up, but I suppose you may be seated. Well, thank you for, thank you for standing anyways. <laughs> Amen. I really want to uh, give honor to you, T.O.P., for, for uh, everything that you've done for us. We are so thankful uh, that we are a part of this church and that we have a, a, a wonderful church to come home to and to worship in, and, and we're just so thankful for everything you've done for us and, and for partnering with us and helping uh, send us back to Japan and being a part of what God is doing and is going to be doing uh, in, in the work in Japan. Amen. I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Knowles. We love y'all so much, and we just we can't tell you how much we appreciate you. Amen. And I want to share with you this morning, we have some good news, because uh, after seven months of traveling, we are 50% done. Maybe some of y'all thought I was going to say we're totally done, but we're not there yet. We are 50% done, but that is, that is good news. Amen. There are many times where missionaries on their first deputation, it takes them a year and a half or, or even longer than that, but it does not look like it will take us that long. But we're just praying that the Lord will send us back in His timing. You know, the Lord does all things well. In Psalms, it says, as for the Lord, His way is perfect. And we're just looking for his perfect timing in the timing that we go back. And so we are looking forward to that. We're so thankful that you are such a big part of that. Amen. And so we, sh we don't know exactly when we'll be heading back to Japan, but it should be sometime in this next year in 2022. Amen. Can y'all believe that we are already at the end of 2021? 
It feels like we're still in 2020 in some ways, but we're at the end of 2021. Uh, recently, Corey and I were able to go to the, um, the Christmas Bazaar at, uh, by the Carousel of Dreams in the gym thing that's next to it. I can't remember what it's called. What is it? Southridge Plaza. And uh, we were there, and we got some peanut brittle, and we got some hot chocolate bomb things that you put in milk, and they just, the chocolate melts, and, and uh, they're just so awesome. But one thing I saw was an ornament, a Christmas ornament that a, a man was selling, and it was a 2021 Christmas ornament, and it was just supposed to summarize the entire year. And so on the Christmas ornament, it had a stimulus check. It, it had a, a, I think it had a container ship, you know, because of the supply chain issues. It had gas prices on it and inflation, and it just represented this year. Amen. But I'm so thankful that we are still here at the end of 2021. And God is not done working in our lives. He is not done working in this world. He is not done working in T.O.P. Amen. God has a plan for us in this next year. Amen. He is still faithful. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm so thankful that we've gotten to be here for these holidays. The Christmas play last week, that was really, really something, wasn't it? I don't know if I've ever seen props and and uh, costumes. I don't think I've ever seen them done better. But as we were watching, Corey and I mentioned to Corey, and, and uh, we remembered a couple weeks ago, we were in Missouri. And so we had the opportunity to go to Branson. How many of y'all have ever been to Branson? I call it the Christian Vegas because it's kind of the same thing, but, you know, it's the kind of the Christian version. None of the, none of the sinful stuff, but just... And so while we were there, we were able to go to... Uh, what is called the Sight and Sound Theater. And if you're ever in Branson, I'd really recommend that you go. Uh, it is amazing. The productions are just incredible. The props and the costumes are, I mean, they spare no expense. They are the best props and costumes I have ever seen anywhere, period. But as Corey and I were watching the production that they were doing this year, we, we saw their costumes, but then we looked down and we saw their feet. And we saw that a lot of the a lot of the actors were wearing tennis shoes. And there's just kind of a disconnect there, you know, with, with these incredible costumes. And they look like they just stepped out of, out of, you know, the first century B.C. And, oh, except he's wearing tennis shoes or, or modern sandals. And I'm sure they did it for safety reasons because they had water on the stage. And, you know, if they were wearing original sandals, they would be slippery and would be dangerous. So I'm sure they were wearing uh, them for safety. But... But it still just kind of caused a disconnect. It was just kind of funny. It was out of place. And uh, today, I want to talk to us about clothes. I want to talk to us about clothes. And I want to ask us the question, are you dressed? Are you dressed? Hopefully, all of us here are dressed. I think we are. I have a pretty good view of everybody. And we are all dressed today, thankfully. Thankfully, dressed is a good way to come to church. But have you ever walked into a place and looked around and seen everybody and wondered, am I dressed appropriately? Am I wearing, are the clothes that I'm wearing okay for this setting and among these people that I'm with? Have you, how many of you have ever felt underdressed? You walked in, you thought, oh my goodness. I, it is not a good feeling. How many of you have ever walked into a place and thought, I am way overdressed? That's not too good of a feeling either, but it's, I guess it's better to be overdressed than, than underdressed. But, but it's, it's not a good feeling to walk into a place and look around and feel like, I do not fit in here. Our clothes are so important, and we all recognize this because there are magazines, there are books, there are TV shows, there are endless entire YouTube channels completely dedicated to making sure that we are wearing the right clothes for the right occasions and that we're looking our best so that we can make the right first impression and so that we can fit in to whatever the setting may be. I wonder how many of y'all got, got clothes for Christmas this year? How, who got clothes for Christmas? How many of you are happy you got clothes for Christmas this year? Hey, look at that. You know, when I was a kid, there was nothing more disappointing than opening my Christmas presents and seeing that I got new underwear or socks. That seemed, you know, underwear and socks seemed like a basic human right. 
It didn't seem like it should be when I'm opening on Christmas. But then I grew up, and when I became a teenager, clothes started to matter more to me. And I would open up my gifts, and when I was a kid, oh, a sweater? And then when I'm a teenager, hey, a sweater, you know? And uh, I'm really thankful that my mom did all the Christmas shopping for my clothes because that meant I looked nice, whereas if my dad would have bought them, I would have looked like he did, you know, which is fine, but just a couple decades, you know, older than I am. And so I'm appreciative of my mom's good taste and and the clothes she would uh, get me. But I also remember as a teenager, I started to to, uh, be nervous more and more about the clothes that I was wearing. When I would be with my friends, I I would wonder, are my clothes good enough? Do I look good enough for my friends? Are are my clothes expensive enough? Or or are they going to somehow think less of me because my my clothes don't fit in with them? They're a different style or they didn't come from the right store. And we have these fears surrounding how we look. I think what we're really afraid of isn't how we look, but but we're afraid that because of how we look, somehow we're not going to be accepted or we may even be rejected or someone may decide that because we don't look like they do or or we're dressed a little bit differently that we don't have any value. And so we do our best to wear the right clothes, to either try to fit in or sometimes to stand out from the crowd. But either way, we want people to think that we matter. We want people to think that we are worth something. And so we put effort into how we look. You know, it's interesting that most of us, we really don't dress for ourselves. Most of us, I would imagine that if we woke up in the morning and, and we didn't have any place to be and, and we didn't have anybody to see, we may not even get dressed for the whole day. How many of you, how many of you, that would be like your perfect day. You could just stay in pajamas all day. Come on now. Amen. Amen. You're my Amen. I would love to just be able to stay in my pajamas all day, but, but oh, someone's going to stop by in a couple of minutes. Man, you go and you throw something else on. We don't wear our clothes for ourselves. We wear them for other people and for what they think of us. We dress for the occasion. You know, the most uh, stressed I have ever been over the clothes that I would wear was one day approximately seven months ago. It was my wedding day. And I cannot tell you, oh, there, hey, look at that. I'm wearing the same outfit I was then. You know what? I liked it so much then. I've just worn it every day since. I I have not, actually. Uh, It it actually is kind of funny. I, I didn't bring any suits home with me. And this was the only suit that was here at home. And so I didn't know I was going to be preaching this, but it just worked out perfect then. (laughs) <laughs> it did, it did. See, it's, it's just how God works, man. But it was the most stressed I've ever been over what I would wear. I cannot tell you how many phone calls I had with my brothers, sending them pictures of different suits and different ties and different this and that, because I wanted everything to be perfect. It had to be just right. And I thought I was stressed about my clothes until I started talking to the bride, and oh my goodness. I can't tell you how many trips there were back and forth to this place and that place, getting this taken in and then let out. And, oh, it looked better the other way. Let's change it back. And, oh, my goodness. And then there was the bridesmaids' dresses and, and just, oh, man, I'm, I'm reliving all of the stress right now. But we put so much time and effort into it because it was one of the most important days of our lives. We made sure that we had planned correctly. We made sure that we had prepared and and everything was coordinated just right. This event would only last for a few hours, but we put so much effort into it. It seemed endless, like it would, the stress would never end right up until the wedding was over. Can you believe that after our wedding, Corey, my wife, has not one time worn the dress. We we have been to over 50 churches in the past seven months, and not one time did she wear her wedding dress to one of those churches. Seems like such a waste. The dress has just sat in a bag in a closet since. You know, it's interesting that wedding traditions and wedding clothes are different all around the world. In America, we 
typically men wear a suit, or traditionally men wear a suit or a tux, and ladies wear a white wedding dress. Of course, times and, and things are changing, trends are changing, but this is still the traditional look for a couple getting married in America. But if you'll throw up the next picture, in other countries, it's very different. In Japan, this is what a, a, a couple would wear on their wedding day. And so to wear these clothes is very special, and, and I'm glad my wife didn't wear a massive oversized hat to our wedding. But in Japan, this is what you wear. If you'll go to the next picture again, same thing, but just a little bit different. And they look beautiful in their, in their own way, in their culture. But if you had them in the States, they would look out of place because it's got to be right for the occasion in the culture where you are. It's the same way for funerals. We all have like a set uniform that we wear for funerals, don't we? You don't wear a, a super bright colored dress with, you know, neon colored flowers and it's just somehow inappropriate. In Japan, we have a set uniform. Men wear a black suit with a black tie. You don't wear a navy suit. You don't wear a dark gray suit. You wear a black suit with a black tie. And ladies wear a black dress, and they, if they have a purse, it's a black purse. It's all black. And matter of fact, it's so strict that in a department store in Japan, there is an entire section dedicated just for funerals, just for funeral suits. And if you wore a funeral suit to church on Sunday, people would think you either came from a funeral or were going to a funeral because otherwise it would be very odd and inappropriate. It would be like wearing a wedding dress to church on Sunday. It would just be... You'd kind of get some, you know, side glances, you know, and people would wonder if you're okay. But I want to tell you a story today about a man in the Bible who didn't have the right clothes. If we can turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. The Bible says in verse 1, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, It's, it's important that we understand that this picture that Jesus is painting here with his words is a parable. It's, it's a simile. It's like what he's talking about. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. So I want to I make sure we're all on the same page here. What are we talking about? The kingdom of heaven. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven here. But he tells this story through the format of making it like a wedding. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Can you imagine ever having a more honorable or prestigious uh, opportunity than to attend the wedding of a king's son? Just a few years ago in England, there were some princes over there named Harry and William, who got married. And in England and around the world, you knew you were on the A-list of the who's who if you were invited to their wedding. I can't imagine that there was anybody who said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Queen Elizabeth. I'm just a little bit too busy. You see, I got my work schedule a little bit too packed or, or I got something going on with my family. I guarantee you there were probably people who canceled or postponed their own weddings to be there at the wedding of the king's or the queen's son. But it says, but they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which were bidden. Behold, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come unto the marriage. It's, I think it's important that we understand today that the king wanted everyone to come. He was just so excited. The invitation was open, but nobody would come. It says in verse 5, but they made light of it. They acted like it was nothing and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Can you imagine not only blowing off the, the king's son's wedding, but even more being angry that you were invited? So much so you kill the person who's inviting you. That's pretty crazy. Verse 7, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up 
their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. It was an invitation. Anybody, it didn't matter if they knew the king or if they didn't. Anybody who was willing to come, the invitation was open to them. I want us to understand today it's the same way in the kingdom of God. There's people who will hear the invitation and they'll make light of it. There are people who will hear the invitation and say, well, I'm just too busy. I got something going on with my worker. I got something going on with my family. I just can't make it to church. I just can't, I can't find the time for God. Maybe one day I can go. And they treat it like it's nothing. But God has opened up the invitation today for whosoever will. It doesn't matter who you may be. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you may have been in the past. But the invitation is open unto you. It's for whosoever will. If you want to be in the kingdom, there is a place for you today. Go into the highways and byways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. It didn't matter who they were as long as they were willing to attend. And the wedding was furnished with guests. I want us to stop here and just think about this for a moment together. These servants went out to the highways and people who were traveling, they're going somewhere. They said, hey, there's a wedding going on. Would you stop by? Do you think these people woke up that morning and without any plans of being at a wedding, got dressed, ready to go to a wedding just in case a king's servants might invite them to a wedding? I don't think so. But if you're going to the wedding of a king's son, you've got to have the right clothes on. And so I believe, and I think you can see from the context of the story when we read later on, that these people, as they came, they were supplied with the garments. You know, not one of us is good enough to make it to heaven on our own. Not one of us is good enough by our own merits to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. But God so willingly made a sacrifice to provide us with the things that we need to be a part of this kingdom. It's not because we're so good, but it's because He is good and He has made a way for each one of us. No matter how bad or good we may be, we are all equal when we're a part of the kingdom. He has furnished us with our garments. But verse 11 says, And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend. Notice he called him friend. He wasn't looking at him like he was his enemy. He wanted this man there. He specifically sent his servants to invite this man to bring him in. He wanted him there. He was excited he was there. Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? God provided the wedding garment. It was there. It was ready. All he had to do was take it and put it on. But somehow, for some reason, he couldn't be bothered to change his clothes and put on the wedding garment. How camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. I wonder, did this man not realize what was really happening? Did he not really believe that that a king's son was going to be getting married there? What would cause a person in their right mind when the garments are furnished and ready to not put them on? But this man could not give an answer. He could not make an excuse. He was left speechless. He had nothing to say for himself. You see, it's not good enough for us to be invited to the wedding. Being invited to the wedding does not make us special because everybody is invited. The invitation to the kingdom is for everybody. So so just coming to the kingdom, coming and seeing what's happening does not make us 
important or special. It's not enough for us to just hang around with other people who are attending the wedding, who are a part of the kingdom. It's not just good enough for us to just be with people who are ready, who are wearing the right clothes, but each one of us for ourselves have got to be willing to change our clothes and put on the garments that He has provided us with. Hallelujah. That's our only way. That's our only way. I want to be wearing the right clothes when that day comes. Verse 13, then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Again, it's important for us to understand that many, 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 Everyone is called. Being called doesn't make us special, but we've got to be in a place where we can be chosen. That's where things begin to be difficult. It's important we understand that, that, that even if we are called, it's how we respond to the invitation, number one. And then how we prepare ourselves for that day that will determine whether we can be a part of what's going on on that day in the kingdom of heaven or whether we will be thrown out. We've got to have on the wedding garments. I think this begs the question then, what are the wedding garments? If we have to be wearing these wedding garments to be allowed to be in the kingdom of heaven, what are they? The book of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in the Lord, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. What are the garments of salvation? Every one of us, we've got to step into salvation. We have got to obey the command. I want to remind us what that commandment is. In the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached to the people who were assembled there. And they heard and felt their need for a Savior. They asked Peter, Peter, what do we got to do about what you've said? And Peter stood up with the other disciples and he preached to them. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, the Bible tells us how Peter commanded them. He says, and then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, we've got to put on the garments of salvation. Every one of us have got to put on these garments. But it doesn't stop there. It says, He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. You see, it's not good enough for us to just experience salvation one day and then to leave it behind and, and go on with our life. But we've got to live from there on wearing the robes of righteousness. It's not our righteousness because none of us, again, are righteous enough to be worthy of being in His kingdom. But He will supply us with the robe of righteousness. But we've got to be willing to walk in it. We've got to be willing to put it on and wear it as a bridegroom. Notice this. Again, that wedding analogy. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. The wedding garment that we've got to have today, I want us to know, is the garment of salvation and the robe of righteousness. We've got to go about our lives every day wearing it. We've got to be ready for whenever it would be that as we're going about our daily business, we would be bidden to come to the wedding feast. We won't have time then to go say, hey, give me a little bit of time. Let me go home. Let me get my garments on so I can go to the wedding. But we've got to be ready to respond at any time to say, oh, yes, I will come to the wedding. I'm ready. I've been waiting for this chance. I've been looking forward to this day and this opportunity. We've got to live ready for when we're called. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know sometimes it's not easy. We can get bogged down in our day-to-day -day lives and, and we can lose sight of where we are headed. We can begin to think sometimes even that, that all these things that the Bible teaches, are they really important? I don't see the effect that it may have on my day-to-day -day life or, or maybe that it's even a burden to live according to the word of God. Is it really important 
for me to live according to the word. But I want us to know today that the here and now, this life, this here and now is not all about the here and now, but it's really about the there and then. Because that's when everything will be decided. I don't want to be caught on the wedding day without the right clothes. I want to be dressed. I know it's difficult. We live in a world that has no respect for our beliefs. We live in a world that calls good evil and evil good. This world is filled with temptation at every corner and even at our very fingertips. But we've got to be ready. We've got to make it. Whenever the time comes, we've got to have our garments of salvation and our robes of righteousness ready and prepared. We've got to have them on and be waiting. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, God is talking to the church in Sardis. And I want to encourage you, if you have a little bit of time when you get home, or maybe sometime through this week, maybe on Wednesday, since we don't have church, maybe you could do this on Wednesday. But I would encourage you to read this whole passage. It's not so long, just from verse 1 to about verse 10. But today we're just going to read verses 3 through 5. But Jesus says to the church, he says, Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. We've got to remember the things that we've heard. We've got to remember the words that we've heard preached to us. We've got to remember what the word of God says to us. It says, and hold fast. You've got to hold on. If something can knock your grip loose, it will. You've got to hold on and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they, who are they? Those who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and the angels. If we live according to his word, if we have on that garment of salvation, and if we have the robes of, of righteousness on, we can live confidently knowing that when we get to that day, he's not going to cast us out, but he will accept us. He will look at us as though we are worthy of being there, and he will confess our name, that our names are written in the book of life. Hallelujah, I want to have him confess my name. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we've got to keep our garments clean. We've got to keep our hearts clean. We've got to keep our conduct pure. Ephesians 5, verses, chapter 5, verse 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wives. How? Even as Christ also loved the church. And what? And gave himself for it. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Again, why? Why did he do that? That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. I want, us to, I want to ask us today, are we dressed? Are our garments spotless? Are our garments without wrinkle or any other such blemish? Are we walking holy? Are we worthy to be counted to be part of that day when he calls us into his kingdom? If we can all stand. Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 through 9 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings. Of God. Hallelujah. I know as we're coming 
to an end of this year, we have the perfect opportunity to evaluate ourselves. I would encourage us, whether you want to come today and pray and evaluate your heart and say, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me, Lord. If there's anything that would keep me out of your presence on that day, if there would be anything that would cause me to be thrown out of the wedding feast, if there would be anything that would cause me to not be worthy of being counted as part of your kingdom, oh, Lord, wash me. Lord, wash my garments. Help me to be clean. Lord, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. As David said, wash me and I shall be white as snow. I would encourage us that we would take time as we come to the end of this year and we would evaluate ourselves. I think we need to take stock of ourselves and of our families. It's not good enough for me that I just be saved, but I want my family to be saved. I don't want to be there on the wedding day and, be, and me be able to stay, but see my wife be told, no, you can't stay. You've got to leave. I want my family to be there. I want my family to be ready more than anything else. I want to be saved, and I want my family to be saved. I wonder if we could just raise our hands to heaven right now and just turn our attention to the Lord and begin to talk to Him today. Oh God, we've heard your call again to us today to be ready for that day, oh Lord. God, purge us with His of God. Cleanse us, oh Lord. Let us be clean in your sight. Lord, your word says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. If we depend on our own goodness, if we depend on our own righteousness, there's not one of us that is good enough or even close. Oh, but Lord, thank you, God, that you've made a way for us. You've furnished us with everything that we need. Those robes of righteousness and the garments of salvation. You are the one who paid the price and made them ready for us. Oh, but God, help us every day, Lord, to walk in this Lord help us every day to wear these robes ready for your coming at any time hallelujah hallelujah help us today hallelujah help us today I want to invite you if you want to come down to the altar today and just talk to God for yourself I want to encourage us to spend a little bit of time with him today let him examine your heart let him examine your heart oh hallelujah Let's just talk to the Lord together for a while today. All of creation, all of the earth, Make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Help us Call to be ready for your sinner. coming, O oh Lord. Wake up the saints, let every nation help us, Lord, in this new year to live closer to you than ever before. Help us to live cleaner than ever before. Help us to live more carefully than ever before. Help us to live with your presence in our life every day, God. There will be Hallelujah. All will be new. Your name forever, faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon, like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be at church already for you. There's nobody who will be able to help us on that day. It's all about our relationship with God. We've got to get ready for ourselves. We've got to be ready for ourselves. Hallelujah. Jesus come. Even so come. Lord Jesus come. Like a bride waiting for a groom. We'll be at church. Already for you, every heart 
worship the Lord together for a moment. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, God, we love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much that you came and gave yourself a ransom for us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, Hallelujah. Amen. I want to share with something with you very quickly. Again, I really feel like we have a wonderful opportunity this week. When we came to church this morning, we, we did not know that we would not be having church on Wednesday night. And, and we will not be having church here on, at this church on Wednesday night. But I would encourage each of us that we have an opportunity where we can have church in our homes. There is an opportunity that we can end this year by examining ourselves and our families and getting closer to God rededicating ourselves to God, that we're going to be ready. It doesn't matter what this world says. It doesn't matter that this world, what this world may preach to us and, and how they may try to force us into their mold. And they are, and they will. But we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. Amen. I want to I just share one thing with you very quickly. You know, love is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. Love is not feeling something for somebody. It's not feeling care for them. But love is active. Love must always be active. You know, if somebody has a young child and their young child is playing in the street and we know that that's dangerous, but they see their young child and they say, oh man, I'm just so worried. I hope my two-year-old child stops playing in the street. I hope they, they realize how foolish it is. I, I hope that they, they choose to get out of the road. Is that love? If someone comes and says, hey, uh, your kid's playing in the street. Aren't you going to do something about that? Well, I really hope they stop. I really hope they make the decision to, to, to get out of the street. Is that love? Hey, 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 there, there's a bus coming down the road. You better get your kid. Oh, I'm just so worried for them. I just, I hope they get out of the street. Uh, hey, the bus is getting closer. Oh, I know. I, I just, I'm so worried. Boom. Why didn't you get your kid? Don't you love him? Yes, I love him. But, but I just cared too much about him to make him get out of the street. It doesn't sound like a loving parent, does it? What I'm saying is our love has got to be active. Among our family, among husbands and wives, parents with children, children with parents, if you see something in your family member, someone you love, that, that is, is dangerous, that it may mess up their eternity. So much of the time we just, we're so worried and we see the error of their ways and we, we hope that they stop. 
But if we just hope and we never mention anything, hey, I'm worried about you. I'm afraid that this may mess with your eternity. Do we love them? If we're not willing to do anything, if we're not willing to say anything, I'm not saying walk across the church and just condemn somebody and just blow them out of the water, you know, but a loved one, a family member, if you're concerned about them, of course we can always pray. And even if they respond negatively, say, well, I I don't care what you say. I'm going to do this because I want to. Well, hey, they can't stop us from praying for them. And God is the one who can change our hearts. Amen. Amen. But the Bible tells us in James, it says, if we see our brother in need, and we just say, oh, well, I hope their need is taken care of, but we don't do anything about it. Do we really love our brother? Do we really love our brother? Amen. Love is active. Let's let our love be active one to another. Not just feeling an emotion towards them, not just caring about them and how we feel, but let's show our love one to another. Amen. Let's support one another. Let's encourage one another. You, may, you, know, you don't know. Maybe it could be that they're just, they're not sure about this and they're just waiting for someone to encourage them. And you never know what your encouragement may mean to them or what the difference it may make in their lives. Amen. But let's get close to God. Are we dressed? Are we ready? Amen. Thank you so much for letting us be here with you on this last Sunday of this year. We wouldn't rather be anywhere else. We're just so happy we get to be here with you. God bless you. We'll be looking forward to being back. Not exactly sure when that will be, but we'll be looking forward to counting down the days. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jason. Amen. Okay, do remember, please.